you're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with some of the most passionate, hardworking, and limitless thinkers on this earth who have a story to share, a brand that inspires, or a fire inside of them to live life on their own terms. The intention behind each episode is simple. And that's to include you in these conversations so that you can learn, apply, and grow in your own life and in your business. If I can share one quick secret with you before we begin, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. But perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. Tuning into Visionary Life will help you dust off the limiting beliefs you carry around so that you can begin to create your own most visionary life. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. This week, we have a recharged episode for you because we're in the process of actually recording season seven. So for this week's episode of the Visionary Life Podcast, we have recharged one of our favorites, one of our top downloaded episodes of season five. And that's my conversation with Mitchell Stern. He is the marketing director at Station Cold Brew. This is one of my favorite conversations. Mitchell is an expert marketer. He is a very genuine entrepreneur, a driven spirit, and he's just super real in this conversation. We met way back in the day in the Toronto circuit, and I've loved watching the team grow Station Cold Brew, and it's been amazing to see all of their successes and to also hear how they've had challenges just like many of us, just like many of you. And so I know you're going to love this episode. This is my chat with Mitch from Station Cold Brew Recharged. Okay, so Mitch, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm very, very excited to have you on today because... I've been aware of Station Cold Brew, I think it's a little over five years now, because I was thinking back to when I was first introduced to the brand, and my earliest memory of Station is actually when my husband and I were shopping at a store in Parkdale, and we left the store, and I remember there being like this really cool... I think it was like a, one of those bicycle carts or something like that. There was some refrigeration. Anyways, and I think it was your co-founder, Steve. He offered us a sample, and that was the first time that I was like, what is cold brew? And it was delicious. And then from there, there were just a ton of synergies because I was working for a natural health food company at the time, and we did a lot of partnerships at Whole Foods, um, and I remember us being at Daybreakers together, and I've just kind of seen how visionary you guys are in the way you've grown this brand. So I think it's going to be a really amazing episode for the listeners to get a behind the scenes look. So that's a long winded way of saying thank you for being here. And I'm excited to chat. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, you know, yeah, we've known each other for you're pretty spot on. I mean, we started fishing six years ago. So that timeline for you to be introduced to it may be extremely accurate. Um, and and everybody, not everybody, the people that I know, friends and family, and you know the people in my circle, uh, a lot of them have those stories, and I love hearing them. It's uh, it's nice to take a step back and and think about that timeline because you know we're so I'm so caught up in the day to day, 
that I don't often take time to think about those those moments. So it's nice. So thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And it's funny, like before we kind of just dive into the origin story, I'm just having this moment of clarity that, you know, I never remember a brand in that powerful of a way if, say, I was just targeted with a Facebook ad and then I started buying the product. But with you guys, like I was actually able to meet you. I had an experience with Station. There was an energy outside of the store because people were gathering. And that is remarkable in my mind. Like I'm not going to forget the team behind the brand and the product because that first introduction is something that was an experience in my life that was, you know, probably the most joyful part of the day at the time, right? So anyways, could you take us back to kind of the origins of how Station began and who the team was that brought it to life? Just give us a little bit of a rundown. Yeah, I mean, uh, at the beginning, uh, there were three of us. There still are. Uh, Sorry, there's more than three of us now, but the three, those three, myself included, are still uh, uh, involved in the day-to-day of the business. Um, so Steve, as you mentioned, myself and Mike. Um, it started with Steve, who's a um, you know Toronto guy, uh, serial entrepreneur. I'll call him. Uh, this is his fourth business, and so as any good entrepreneur does, um, he gets inspired and then believes that he can do it, or he or she can do it on their own. Uh, better, right? And so he was in New York City and tried cold brew coffee for the first time. One of his colleagues uh, sort of poured it for him, and he had just such an amazing experience, similar to what you described. Didn't know what cold brew was, wasn't a big coffee drinker, um, but loved sort of the smooth, um, the smooth nature of it. Didn't have to add anything to it. Pretty healthy guy, so was conscious about putting off the milk and sugar. Um, so he he fell in love with it and. Came back to Toronto, started doing some research, realized that on the wholesale level, there was really nobody doing it in Canada. And at the time in the U.S., there were a few brands. uh, This was six years ago, so 2014. uh, There were a few brands who were doing it uh, and doing it well. And they've got like this cool sort of like retro style branding, uh, Stumptown being the one specifically in the U.S. Um, And so Steve had this idea that he could do it on his own. And uh, he, (laughs) the story is that he put an ad on Craigslist. Well, sorry. The story is that he tried to make his own cold brew and realized that he couldn't do it on his own. That that wasn't his skill set. Um, and I, I, that's a very important lesson, actually, that I've learned from him, and that is knowing what you're good at and surrounding yourself with people who complement that, um, while also leaving room for improvement and and, and learning. Um, so he put an ad on Craigslist for somebody to make cold brew for him. Um, he, he got about six to eight applicants. There were some coffee people. There were some, uh, beer brewers, some food scientists. Um, and actually we're, I'm planning a a post to retell this story on Instagram soon, just because it's nice to to go back to that. And and Steve found the original email chain between him and Mike. So Mike was one of the applicants. Uh, Mike was actually working in a, uh, a cafe slash bar, uh, in Toronto and had been making cold brew and bottling it because he understood the opportunity and had the vision for cold brew. He knew a lot about coffee. He had roasted coffee, um, super smart guy and uh, just really technically savvy. And so uh, Steve recognized pretty quickly that Mike was, was a great partner for that. And then I came around a little bit after that. Steve and I had a mutual friend. Uh, I had left my, my uh, agency job in, in the experiential marketing space. Um, and so what you were saying before about impact of brand through experiences is, is very relevant for me. Um, 
so I had just left my job. I was doing a bit of consulting. Steve asked me to put together a proposal to see how I could help him with the branding and the marketing and the sales side. And the three of us kind of went off to the races. You know, we rented a, a table the size of my desk here, which is like two and a half feet, uh, in a commercial kitchen on Eglinton and a little space in the fridge. We got a customer and we said yes to the customer without having everything prepared. And then we kind of went from there. It's one of those things where you say, uh, somebody asks you for something and you say, yeah, of course I can do it. And then you turn around and you're like, okay, I need to figure this out. Uh, and we did it and it's evolved, uh, drastically since. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I just have to nitpick something. So you said you got a customer, but I'm sure everybody who is trying to start a business themselves right now is like, but how did you get that first customer? Like, were you just out there screaming from the rooftops, all three of you? Were you posting on Craigslist, Facebook, networking? Like, how do you get that first customer? Because that's a really hard um, accomplishment for a lot of people. For sure. I think, you know, I I can generalize it. And I'm obviously speaking specifically to the, like, the consumer packaged goods world. all businesses are different, but, um, and I do think timing is very important. Uh, and the way we achieved our first customer is Steve was working out of, um, the center for social innovation. So co-working space at the time. And, uh, what he did was he did a tasting. So uh, at the beginning, he leveraged the community he was surrounded by in order to get feedback on the recipe specifically. Fortunately, in that sampling, one of um, there was a gentleman who he ran. Uh, are you familiar with Boom Breakfast uh, on College? Well, there's yeah, like four of I've them. definitely like biked a, by like it before. Little, yeah, it's like a little diner. And one of the guys who ran that Boom said to Steve, "I'm revamping my my uh, summer menu. I've heard a lot about this cold brew thing. You know, I'd like to place an order for X amount, and and can you have it ready by July 1st? And that's where Steve went. Yeah, sure. So that timing was really important, but um, I guess the lesson there is like um, uh, leveraging the people around you um, because, you know, our networks are so valuable and whether it's online or offline, I think that's where you need to start. You never know um, who knows somebody or who's had a conversation with somebody that you might be able to fit that need. And uh, I I think also like, don't be afraid to ask for help. I do this thing with, with like um, some friends of mine where, you know, we get together and we socialize, but then at the end, it's like, okay, well, who needs help with something? And, and you never know what will come out of that. Somebody might say, you know, I, I'm looking for a consulting gig and here's my skill set. And then somebody might be like, oh, I have a friend who, you never know. So that's how we got our first customer. Um, we were also very fortunate that very early on, we, we, had, the, um, we had the guts to walk into to Whole Foods and, and just be like, I'd like to speak to the buyer and like thinking about that now is absolutely insane, <laughs> but we were lucky because the woman um, was familiar with our brand. She had had a similar introduction to that you did. Cool. Um, I think at a farmer's market or something. And she knew that whole foods in the U S was carrying cold brew and she hadn't had any other options come to her. So she said, sure, let's do it. Yeah. And we had no clue what we were doing. No. Like, I mean, I'm not sure I, I do now, but yeah. we, we had no clue. Like our pricing structure was off. We didn't have proper labeling. It was like, we got very lucky for sure. 
Sometimes ignorance is bliss, right? Like you just Absolutely. just walk in and say, yeah, I would like a meeting. And it's like nobody else is doing that because they think it has to be like this email chain and then you have to go in for a scheduled pitch. It's like, well, if you didn't know any better, you would just walk in and ask for the person to speak to who brings new brands to the store. So totally. Um, I think, uh, you know, the lesson there for me is like <clears throat> I I've learned to always play worst case scenario, right? So in your head, if you play yeah. worst case scenario when you start there, yeah. um, you know, I feel uh, very fortunate that I can do that. Um, uh, and, and that's great. But like in that situation, the worst case scenario is they would say no. And we were yeah. no worse off than we were if we'd never even spoke to them. Exactly. So the risk reward was much greater. Another point I just want to call out that you said that was super valuable is that really your network is everything the relationships that you have right and just knowing that we're not supposed to do this alone and like silo ourselves in and just be on our laptops all day like creating a business plan like you need to get out there and think about the people you know because for me especially in the last like five ten years I realized like everybody I've met along my journey kind of plays this specific role because there's always some sort of synergy or if not now maybe in the future um, and so it's just so so vital to like get out meet people and constantly just be I don't know thinking about your network and where you can ask for help rather than feeling like this is a a journey that you have to do in isolation not yep. to use that word lightly, but um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, going back to the early days, what would you say are some of the early marketing efforts that you activated where you saw a good return on investment? Because obviously you weren't just buying like TV commercials or just pumping out Facebook ads. I feel like you guys had a more grassroots experiential strategy. So what were one or two of those efforts that you're like, that was really good. I'm glad we did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love this question because there's like a few very important, uh, there's a, there's three answers. Um, they are all so, it's so clear to me how much impact they had. And, you know, when you start a business from scratch, very bootstrapped, um, especially one that in a, in a consumer packaged goods category, like it's, it's a very expensive proposition, mm -hmm. especially when you manufacture, which is a whole other conversation. But, <laughs> um, you know, with my experience in experiential um, and understanding the uh, long-term impact of a customer in 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 a face-to-face -face experience as you mentioned off the top it is is like the quickest cheapest easiest most impactful way to like introduce somebody to your brand and, and the idea of a brand is like it's not it's not tangible. It exactly. isn't, it isn't your logo. It isn't, it, it is all of these things combined, but it, it's, it's like a, a feeling you invoke in, in a customer, right? Like that's, that's what your brand should be. And that, that creates loyalty, right? And that creates uh, awareness and trust and all of these things. Um, and builds from a thing, a place of authenticity, you know, mm -hmm. the fact that, Early on, we did a lot of those types of things, pop-ups, farmer's markets. You know, we were able to have face-to-face -face conversations with people. We were able to explain to them what cold brew is, because with a new product like that, you have to. Mm -hmm. They were able to try it, which, you know, we're very proud of the quality of our product, and we've never cut corners. And so as soon as somebody tries it, it's very important. Um, 
And then they remember that. And Mm -hmm. so the three specific examples I have are, uh, we were fortunate to get a spot at uh, Union Station before they did um, a big renovation. They held Mm -hmm. a market out front. And we essentially had like a six by six, um, you know, pop-up booth among other food and beverage vendors for a span of, I think, three months. Cool. And, you know, like we brought in a ton of revenue, which was awesome. But like, I, I still have people, we, I love asking people when they first tried station. Yeah. I still have people who say that that was their first, their first experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I met incredible people there that have led to partnerships. Wow. Um, it, it was like, it was so impactful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second was, uh, was way home. Oh yeah. We, we were very fortunate. A colleague of mine that I used to work with, um, was working for Republic Live who ran way home. And the first year way home happened, we were able to get a spot and I I could not have told, um, I, I couldn't have written this script any better myself. Um, and like, when I talk about worst case scenario, this was best case scenario in that, like we had no clue what we were doing. Like I had experience with events and planning and running events, but like yeah. this was, we were doing a million things. And we, I remember we had like a 45 minute line at one point oh my gosh. and we didn't, we had like friends helping us who we had given tickets to, to the festival who were like on shifts. And like, there was a moment that Mike and Steve and I had during that festival where we said, wow, this is like legit. This is real. We can do something with this. Um, yeah. That was cool. And again, like people, a lot of people still tell me they, they tried it for the first time or it saved their life at way home or whatever. <laughs> I love um, that. <laughs> I mean, I have a theory behind why we were so successful at way home. And that is, uh, the core demographic going to that festival is like an urban downtown, sort yeah. of like young millennial mm-hmm. who, who thinks they know how to get, be prepared for something like that, like a three day camping festival, but they actually don't. So yeah. After the first 24 hours, they were out of all of their supplies and then they needed to just use their credit card to buy whatever. Yeah. And in that circumstance, coffee is king. You know, maybe I was up late watching some, some music. Yeah. Wake up in a hot tent. I probably want a cup of coffee and you don't want it hot. You want it cold. So, mm-hmm. uh, and call. then the third one, the third one um, was uh, a partnership and, and partnerships are very important. Mm-hmm. Uh a partnership with Lululemon. Um, so we've done a bunch of stuff with them over the years. They've been very supportive. They do a lot of local grassroots community type initiatives. And uh, a couple years ago, so this isn't that early, but still pretty early for us. And I think was very impactful. They opened a, a concept store on Arlington called The Local. And we were actually able to put a cold brew tap in that store. So customers that would come in would, would get this experience where they could play ping pong and try and close and sit on a couch and they did events and, and they were also able to try station. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I have a lot of people who I know who that was the first time they were introduced to it. So in terms of, you know, impact of marketing efforts early on, like all of those fall in the experiential category and that face-to-face interaction is something people remember. And I, I, I still believe that's a very important um, piece to the growth of our business and our brand. So cool. I love that you shared all that. And I think that you said it like partnerships are everything. They're so important because 
what you guys do best is you make an amazing product and you have, you know, the like the little mighty team who can get it into hands of people. But what you didn't have was the massive audiences, right? So when you partner with an existing festival like Way Home, a company like Lulu, a community like Lulu or like um, Union Station, they had built the infrastructure for you to be able to come in and just do what you guys do best, which is sampling coffee, right? You're not there trying to like build your own audience. Um, Obviously, that's part of your strategy, but I just think like that's the magic, right? So I'm sure for every success you've had, you've also had some, you know, not so successful marketing strategies and that. Is there anything that almost derailed you guys in the early days or on just kind of another note, like anything you look back on that you're like, that was a mistake or does anything come to mind? How much time do you have? Yeah, Um, exactly. I think these are the stories that are untold, though. People are like, wow, you guys are so successful. Yeah, I mean, I I think a lot about the idea of perception, uh, both on a personal level and a professional level, right? So, um, you know, I I talk openly about mental health a lot. Um, It's That's like, I'm very conscious about that. It's important to me, especially as an entrepreneur, especially as a male. Um, So the idea of perception works both perception of an individual or a business you look at a business like ours and i have friends and family who who don't know the details the behind the scenes all that sort of stuff and they're like oh you guys are doing great you're in whole foods and blah blah blah." but that doesn't mean that everything's you know awesome vanity metrics (laughs) totally it's the same thing with an individual right i might look at you and be like kelsey look at this she's she's um she's married she's got this podcast she's doing well so different from what i met you but like that has nothing to do with what's going on inside or your mental health or whatever. Nothing. Yeah. That's really, really important to me. Um, So I I think the message there is like, don't just assume that everything's off. Um, Mm -hmm. So to, to go back to your question, um, I'm not sure on the marketing side necessarily things come to mind, but there's, there's a lot of things that we've been through and, and I've felt that, you know, oh, the business is over. We're never going to recover from this, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and the first example is our first sort of like, you know, what we call our brewery was in the Junction Triangle, um, sort of lands down in DuPont area. Um, I wish we were still there. I love that area. That was a great community. spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was uh, one night where I had left work and I was at the gym and it was probably 6.30 or 7 p.m. And I got a call from Steve and Mike and they said, they actually didn't ask me to come help them. They were like, you know, this happened, which I'll explain. It's like, you can come help if you want. <laughs> Meanwhile, they proceeded to tell me that, um, you know, picture like a beer tank, like a large sort of steel vessel. Yeah. And there's like a, a swinging door lower on it. That door had burst open while oh. we were brewing cold brew. And we had a thousand liters of liquid and a couple hundred pounds of coffee grounds spew into our brewery. Now, very important to note, uh, most breweries have floor drains built in. So you can wash the tanks and blah, blah, blah. We did not have floor drains in this spot. So we got a call, Mike got a call from our neighbor and basically said like, there was a garage door at the front and there was a driveway that was angled down. And he was like, there's liquid like coffee spewing out from your garage door. I think you need to fix this. So we spent, we then, I went obviously, and we spent 
hours and hours and hours and hours um, squeegeeing, you know, it was a, it was a disaster. And I'm like, I'm a person, I'm very particular. I wouldn't use the term OCD, but I'm very particular. And like, just that, like, I remember how much anxiety I felt. And I remember thinking like, this is like tens of thousands of dollars worth of liquid. And, you know, there was a lot that came from that including like a, a dispute with our manufacturer. Um, so that was that. And I, I, what I remember from it and the most important piece for me is like how I internally dealt with it. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't good. I was stressed. I was anxious. I didn't know what was going to happen. Fast forward a year and a half later, we were in our new facility, which is still where we are in Etobicoke. Um, which is about 11 times the size, which is awesome. And we have a walk-in fridge because our product is refrigerated. It's a fresh product because we don't pasteurize or anything. We have a, uh, a walk-in fridge that was the sa- that is the same size of our old entire brewery. So it's massive. Uh, the fridge broke on a long weekend and we came back and we had a, we had about $30,000 worth of product that was bad. Oh. And it was, I, my immediate reaction personally was like the same as it was for the first instance. It was like, holy shit, what's going to happen? But then I actually had like a dialogue with myself where I was like, yeah. remember what happened last time? Everything's fine. And so I was able to deal with it in a much more calm, focused manner where it's like, okay, this happened, let's fix it. And... So those are the two like major situations that have happened where we're like, holy cow, what is going to happen? How do we recover from this? You know, from a marketing perspective, there's something that comes to mind actually. Uh, One year ago um, on 420, uh, which is also National Cold Brew Day. uh, (laughs) I I didn't make that up. Maybe cannabis and coffee go really well together for some people. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, so on 420 last year, we 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 sent out a press release uh, of a partnership with a cannabis company um, mm. to, that we were working on some CBD beverages. Uh, I sent that out, and we didn't have a deal in place at the time. I was very confident in the deal. Uh, the deal never went through, and so here we are, um, and it's a year later. And I, there's this press release floating in the digital space that is not accurate. You know, we we have plans to be in that space eventually, and we're still looking for the right partners. Um, and and that was like a huge hit on my ego, for sure, because I had been building out this partnership and working on this this product, and we still have those things; those are tangible. But, yeah. Uh, and, and look, like it. it felt worse than it was and it feels worse than it is but like whatever i'm human i make mistakes a hundred percent yeah yeah this this is the roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship and i think it really does force us to build up that resilience muscle because if you don't then you're going to get squashed by this journey because for every success that people see there's like five ten failures in the background and i think it's so awesome that you bring to light the um 
everything is not as it seems on the surface conversation. And I think this goes for anybody, right? Like, even if you're someone who goes to an office every day and puts on a facade, like, it's so important to honor the fact that, like, you cannot just assume things about people based on what you're reading about on their blog or hearing about um, when you're shopping at the grocery store. Like, it's just we all need to, like, cut the BS and understand that we're all human beings, Um So yeah, thank you for bringing that to light. Um, So why don't you kind of fast forward to where Station is at today? Give us a rundown of your products, um, where you're focusing your efforts right now, um, and maybe paint a picture of the team that you have today. Sure. Yeah, we've got a team of uh, uh, 12 people. Um, Very fortunate that we've been able to keep it intact with what's going on right now. Um, Yes. Team is very important to us. Um, I care tremendously about the, the human capital um, of our team. I believe that uh, if people have the willingness and the drive that they don't necessarily need a good resume. Um, yeah. You know, I, we, we have a couple of people on our team who have we've given an opportunity to and they've run with it and they've become so drastically important to the structure of the team. Um, managing people and, and having a team is not easy. Um, uh, but we're, I think we're doing a really good job. Um, so we are now in a facility that I mentioned before, we call it our brewery. Um, it's about 11,000 square feet in South Etobicoke. Uh, you know, we manufacture everything ourselves, which is very important to the quality of the product and the freshness of the product. It also comes with a lot of headaches. Um, a couple of which I've mentioned. Um, but Mike, you know, does such a good job at, at running that place. You know, I have the the ability to work from wherever I want, essentially. We do have an office attached to it. And as the team is growing, we're building awesome sort of culture and, and community and morale. Um, our products are available across the country, um, which is fantastic. Uh, we are in most of the major retailers. Uh, we have a we have an office program mm-hmm. called Craft on Draft, where we actually put taps uh, in, into offices, PayPal, Shopify, WeWork. Uh, unfortunately, and I know this is on your list of questions, we're going to get to this sort of the state of the economy right now and how it's impacted us, but that is that is the one thing that's really taken a dive for us is food service, which includes office. And as you can imagine, it's our revenue stream is basically at zero. Um, yeah. Uh, we've... Uh, I think the most exciting thing is that we've evolved and on our new packaging, you know, our logo doesn't say cold brew coffee in it anymore. Um, We are, you know, evolving to just be station. And that is a, you know, better for you functional beverage platform that, you know, focuses on, we'll call it sort of like natural clean energy. Um, There's a, there's a huge gap in the market um, and customers are looking for better for you products that they feel good about consuming and the truth is is that everybody is so go 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 these days and people need energy and people rely on energy and you know natural energy i think is 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 important and the coffee plant is is a beautiful thing and you know yes we make cold brew coffee we have a few different versions we've got some flavored versions um but we've just launched uh, a line of of sparkling iced teas And we're calling them iced teas, but they're actually, um, you know, you could argue that they are or they aren't. Um, I decided to call them iced teas for familiarity for the consumer and because the iced tea category is full of garbage. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so this product is actually made from the skin of the coffee cherry. So most people don't realize that coffee is a fruit and that when it grows, the seed is the, be the coffee bean that we all know and love. Yes. The rest of it has traditionally been discarded, um, either composted or fed to livestock or what have you. But that's actually similar to fruit uh, where a lot of the nutrients are. So mm. there's a tremendous amount of potassium, tons of antioxidants, and it's got this sort of tea-like texture once it's processed and dried um, that we turned it into a sparkling iced tea. Um, so, you know, the source is still coming from the coffee plant, yeah. um, but it allows us to grow our portfolio and, and hit a new consumer and offer something a little bit different. You know, our cold brew has a lot of caffeine in it. Some people can't consume that. Yeah. Um, yeah, our iced tea has a little bit and it's a little more functional. It's a little bit more every day. I can't wait to see what happens this summer because it's obviously such a perfect summer drink. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of our core customer are drinking less alcohol, um, you know, consuming better for you beverages, reducing sugar, all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, our goal is to check to to introduce products that check all the boxes or at least try to check all the boxes. You know, mm -hmm. we can only do so much. This is a beautiful environmental story that we can tell. Yeah, we're supporting the farms that we buy our coffee from in a very different way in terms of upcycling a product that they've never been able to sell before. Cool. Um, so, so that's really exciting. Um, another thing that's happened uh, kind of by force, but fortunately so is, is our e-commerce platform. Mm. So we are up until, up until three months ago, we were building our business very traditionally in that uh, retail is, is the, you know, the goal. Uh, it's still very important to us. Uh, it's very important to us because that's where the foundation of our business is. But mm -hmm. um, we decided about four months ago that we wanted to soft launch an e-commerce uh, shop. It's very difficult because we have fresh products, but yeah. I was getting um, I was getting some home meal deliveries, like like Good Food or HelloFresh, and I started realizing like if these guys can send chicken and and beef and shrimp in, in the mail, yeah. Like, I can send cold brew. It might be expensive, but I can do it. And so uh, me and a couple of members of our team started diving into, you know, the cost analysis, building that out. What does it look like? What are we going to offer? How are we going to offer it? And I've been absolutely floored with um, the impact. Um, the obviously what's happening right now is the timing could not have been better. Yeah. Our goal, our goal was to launch it for spring. But that aligned with this isolation we're all experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, and the truth is, it's like most people don't know how to make good coffee at home. No. I, I don't know how to make good coffee at home. Like I, I work in coffee and I still don't know. So like yeah. having a can of cold brew in my fridge is like so convenient and I don't have to think about it. And I trust mm -hmm. that it's good and it's functional and I can wake up in the morning. I'm not even, I'm drinking hot coffee right now, but um <laughs> Uh, so the e-commerce thing has been really, really exciting. And, and what's also exciting, it's a bit addictive in that, like, you can see what's happening in real time. You can make adjustments. You can, yes. you can try new things. You can adjust pricing. You can offer deals. You can create new partnerships. You can, you know, all of a sudden digital advertising becomes a very different story for us. You yeah. know, when we weren't selling anything online, I could put up an Instagram ad and kind of like, educate people, but I have no way of understanding the return on that. Now, no. totally different story. Yep. And uh, it, it, it's quickly become 
sort of this new conversation daily with our team about like what's happening and you know, it's still pretty small, but it's growing very quickly. And I'm really excited about that. And, and in addition to that, what we've done is um, for the last uh, 32 days, um, we actually introduced uh, a program called one for one where for every case sold on our website, we're donating a case. Um, you know, we, we're still a small business and we can't do that much and I don't have money. This is the best way we can support. Yeah. And the feedback, the feedback from frontline workers. And that includes, you know, truck drivers, um, retail grocery clerks, um, and, and obviously healthcare workers. Um, the feedback has been amazing because a lot of them are working long hours. They don't have time to go into a coffee shop that may or may not even be open. And we actually had like, some some uh ambulance drivers reach out to us saying oh, wow drive-throughs are not open so they can't take their ambulance through drive-through and our cold brew was like perfect for them and i'm yeah. like i never thought about that yeah so all that is is a long-winded answer um to answer your question around um you know what's going on with station now there's a lot of exciting stuff growth is happening mm-hmm. very quickly new products uh we were and the one, one challenge we've been faced with is right before this isolation or lockdown happened, um, for the past year, uh, I've been working on uh, plant-based lattes. So we, oh, cool. we have a line of oat milk lattes that are ready to launch. Um, and they were supposed to be produced for the first time during like two weeks ago. Yep. And we put them on hold for obvious reasons. Um, a lot of brands and businesses have done that. It's just the responsible business decision to make. Yeah. Uh, they'll be out pretty soon, but uh, it's tough. I spent the last eight or nine months working on that from a branding, uh, marketing, recipe development, all of these things. And, mm-hmm. and here we are and they're not out yet. So it's, mm-hmm. t- it's tough. Yeah, a lot of pivoting happening right now because um, yeah. we are recording this on April 23rd of 2020. So obviously with the times and COVID, I think we're being forced to adapt in many ways. But it sounds like you guys are kind of making the best and making lemonade out of lemons or, I don't know, mm-hmm. cascara tea out of coffee <laughs> cherries or whatever the analogy could be um and i will say to anyone who hasn't tried your products um you can get them so like they're so widely available here in ontario i used to work out of a co-working space downtown and this tiny little convenience store that like was so grungy like i would go in and they would have a fully stocked selection of station and it was just the best um to to see you guys there so yeah anyone who hasn't tried your products um, I'll link all of that in the show notes. Um, I want to know because I teach a lot of my students about naming a brand. And I always use yours mm. as an example because it's so simple. Oh, wow. It's like it's like pick a word that like has some sort of like meaning or that inspires you. And like clearly station has some sort of meaning. And then you put previously cold brew behind it. Like it, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be rocket science station cold brew. Um, yeah. Where did the name station come from? Is there a story there or... Yeah, I mean, uh, we, our brand is ever evolving. Um, and one thing that's important to note too is like, it's all been internal. We didn't hire, you know, an agency or something to like build this brand. It's, yeah. it's, it's from the ground up. It's been evolving ever since. And we're kind of just figuring it out as we go. Um, you know, we have a lot of great people around us. Um, you know, most of my close friends work in, 
in advertising and are amazing sort of creatives and they've helped along the way, of course. Uh, but the name station uh, was was built, you know, our, our brand is is a little bit sort of like retro. Um, the visual aesthetic from it is is more like, at least in the beginning, it's more like 1950s sort of like gas station yeah. type feel. Um, you know, when we bring our brand to life at events, for example, and at our brewery in our in our bottle shop, it's like uh, a lot of dark wood and like metal sort of signs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and 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 that gas station is where you would go for fuel, you know. And we use the ah. word fuel a lot. So the idea of this of station was like, this is this is the fuel that you need um, in your in your daily life because, as I mentioned before, people are so busy on the go. And it's like, this is, this is important. It's that natural sort of like clean energy. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where the name station came from. Love it. Well, and yeah. yeah, I love hearing origin stories of names. Like it doesn't have to be so complicated. I'm sure it was troublesome to get to that finish line of, of finding the name you wanted. But um, it's also fun to think like, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast and energy is basically a currency of a business owner. Like without energy, you can't do anything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's uh, the perfect name. Um, okay, so before we wrap up, one last question for you. You're obviously a very talented human being um, and have gotten a lot of life experience and business experience and have had much success. But obviously, this is a journey and we're always growing and we're always needing to upgrade and learn new skills. So I would like to know, is there one business skill or life skill that you're currently working to upgrade? It could be something really specific or broad. Me personally. You personally, like as a marketer, as a person, yeah. like something you're learning or would like to learn or upgrade. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, over the past couple years, I've, uh, I'll just say like I've admitted to myself that I have this like um, underlying desire um, and like craving for more, um, more creativity. And hmm. so the word creativity can go in so many different ways. Um, for me, w the way that comes to life is through drawing, uh, and, and design. Um, so I've always had this like love for design, specifically typography. Um, and you know, when I think back when I was a kid, I used to draw like 10 hours a day and, hmm. Um, I let that go for a really long time. A couple years ago, I started drawing more and I was like, this feels really good. Like, you know, where there's something like you just know that you love and something that can get you into like flow state. Like when I draw now, I'm like phone in the other room, put on yes. music. I'm like there. Yeah. Hyper, hyper presence. So for me, um, learning more about the, the creative sort of like design and aesthetic part of of station and outside of station yeah. is very important. Um, yeah, about a year, no, six months ago, eight months ago, I bought an iPad um, that I can actually draw on and it's become like my, I'm like looking at it right now. Um, it's become my, like my best friend. And uh, it, it's just, there's so much to learn and uh, trying to figure out constantly how I can help our business through that and, you know, as our business grows, the the cool thing is that as we become less and less and less of a startup and we, we grow with our team members, yeah, we can we can evolve our roles to where we like truly are passionate. 
And, you know, the fortunate, unfortunate thing about starting a business is like, you got to do a lot of stuff you don't want to do. That's like, that is reality. That is, you have to accept that. Having two partners helps that drastically. I will be be very clear about that. Yeah. Like I I don't touch the, the, like the financial side of our business and I'm involved and I'm aware of it. Yeah. And Steve handles that and I'm not sure we'd be here if I had to. <laughs> yeah, Same totally. Thing with 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 the product and the production side. Like yeah. I that's not my that's not my wheelhouse. That's Mike's wheelhouse and I think that's that's been very important. And so the goal is as we evolve to identify where all of us, every member of our team, you know, it's it's like the the four quadrants, right? It's like something you love that you're good at doing. I want everybody in that category. Yeah. It's harder. It's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. But like if you're taking small steps daily to get there and, and there's a member of our team, Gary, who's, who's really uh, leading our e-commerce search. He identified a couple months ago that like digital marketing and and e-commerce is something he's like wants to learn about. And he's taking the time to educate himself and it's proving to be extremely valuable for him, for the business, for everybody. So yeah, for me, it's it's like design, drawing, typography, mm-hmm. um, that type of stuff is, is is where I'm at. That's cool, and I think like not only is that amazing, an amazing personal endeavor, but you could also use that to because as marketers and as you know entrepreneurial spirits, we sometimes try to talk out our ideas, but people don't get it. But if you can draw it into a model and a visual. Mm-hmm it often becomes a lot more clear. So maybe there's, yeah, an opportunity yeah. there. And, and one, one way that I've learned to work with, with our designer, because I don't do our, our design work um, for Station. We have a, a freelance designer who's been with us um, since the beginning. She's amazing. Um, but more often than not, I will draw something, sort yeah. of like what my vision is in my head, and I'll give it to her, and we'll sort of like go back and forth. And yeah. that's sort of how I do my art direction. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that is everything from an Instagram post to a, a label. Like yeah. the label of our product has, has evolved so much over time. And uh, she's been great to work with to sort of bring my ideas to life, which is awesome. Mm, that's awesome. Well, I could probably chat with you all day, but um, I'm going to wrap this up here. It's been so cool to hear the history. You've walked us down memory lane with Station. You've given us amazing tips on partnerships and how to really build the foundation of a marketing strategy. And um, I know we all want to go out and support Station, especially during this time. So what's the best way for people to support you guys right now? And where can we find out more? Yeah, I mean... uh follow us on Instagram. That's the best place for news and updates and all that fun stuff. Uh, we try to have a, a healthy balance of fun and, and seriousness on our, on our Instagram page. Um, mm-hmm. We just launched the TikTok page also. Amazing. I am <laughs> not on it. I'm watching the videos. LJ who runs our social media is awesome and she's becoming super creative on that space. So okay. if you're on TikTok, definitely check it out. There's some fun stuff. Um, our website is stationcoldbrew.com. Uh, like I said, we do have e-commerce and our, our shop is up and we we have free same-day delivery in Toronto or in the GTA, oh, wow. which is crazy, and $10 flat rate across the country. So if you want to fill your fridge with cold brew, that's awesome. Um, and yeah, that's the, that's the best way to support us. Uh, you know, we are available in most major retailers, which are still open and I obviously love Yep. And we support them. So if you're doing your shopping at Sobeys, Metro, Longo's, Whole Foods, mm-hmm. Farm Boy, 
you know, and then if you're in the GTA, there's a lot of small independent places like Fiesta Farms and the Sweet Potato and mm-hmm. the Big Carrot and all those places are, are amazing as well. Yeah. And I believe you have a store finder on your website. We do. We do. Awesome. And, you know, I, if anybody has questions like DM on Instagram is awesome. Yep. We'll, it takes up a lot of my time getting back to people, but also LJ is amazing at customer service. So yep. we'll get back to you quickly. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Mitch. It was great to catch up with you and I hope you're staying well in sequestration. Um, And yeah, I just really appreciate the time you spent today sharing with our listeners. So thank you and hopefully chat with you again soon. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So if you could help me out by rating and reviewing this show on your iTunes app, I would be so grateful. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories. Just make sure to tag me at Kelsey Rydell. If you're feeling stuck, uninspired, stagnant, bored, or confused in what your next step should be, it's time to take action please reach out because I would love to connect with you. I'll catch you in the next episode.